Welcome back, Beer Mile Nation. Today's episode of the Beer Mile Podcast is brought to you by The Harrier. It's running's casual streetwear brand. We got these amazing crewnecks sporting The Harrier right now. This your nice streetwear. We could wear this around, be fashionable as hell. You also got all of your running-related shirts, like the uh, Craig Angles Afraid to Drink a Bud Light shirt. This is a great one. Highly recommend. All sorts of different pop culture, running meme you name it. Yeah, they got they got stickers for your computer. Uh, this is probably the only time I'm going to get to wear this shirt because Jordan is going to steal it. Uh, she already said. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can. It's super comfy. You can use our code BEERMILE20 on the website to give you a 20% discount on your checkout. Thank you to the Harrier for supporting the show. Thank you to you all for checking out the Harrier and using our discount code for 20% off. Beer Mile 20, link in the description to check that out. Also, if you're looking for a new running watch, don't look further than Garmin. They got the best running GPS watches in the game. Click the link in the description to get yourself or a loved one a new GPS running watch from Garmin. Any sales help the channel out and we really appreciate it. Big news. Well, it's already been announced at this point, but... We are sponsoring our first ever event, our first ever race, the Texas Qualifier, February 26th and 27th in Austin, Texas. The Beer Mile Podcast, Beer Mile Media, we are the name sponsor on the men's Olympic 1500 meter race. It's going to be a hell of a race, arguably the fastest race, the best field assembled in the U.S. so far this year. You got all the heavy hitters. We're going to be there behind the scenes, getting some awesome interviews footage of the races all of that's going to be on our youtube channel beer mile media make sure you're subscribed to beer mile media on youtube to get all that when it drops so we're really excited to be sponsoring an event get that front access directly to each of those athletes and bring you those that exclusive content and any support that you're providing by clicking through to our link, sharing the podcast with your friends, with your family, rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Or if you would like, you can make a donation to us on our anchor page. Link to that in the description. We've had two people support us. They pledged a monthly amount to support the podcast. So big shout out to Emily Don Levy and Saul Oros. We really appreciate you pledging and supporting the podcast so we can travel to these races, get you that exclusive content that you're looking for. Yeah, earlier, I think in the Emma Abrahamson video, uh, we talked about me shitting myself. I was not on the toilet when Chris texted me that we did have uh, you know, some subscribers that decided to donate a monthly uh, we'll, we'll call it an allowance. We'll call it beer money. Um, but I, I almost shit myself because I was I was super stoked. It was awesome. We really appreciate you guys. Anything, even just hitting the subscribe button, really helps us put out content like this. And if you're willing to go above and beyond, uh, like Emily and Saul, we appreciate it even more. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Kara Goucher, Shanna Burnett, and Chris McClung from Clean Sports Collective, a podcast as well as an organization dedicated to telling the stories of clean athletes, not just in the running space. Yeah, you may have seen on social media pro runners as well as other athletes like cyclists taking the pledge and they'll post a picture of themselves with the Clean Sport Collective tattoo. It's when athletes take the pledge that they're clean and if they get tested at any point and they're proven to have cheated in some way or doped in some way, then they owe a bunch of money uh, because they took that pledge. So it's a way to grow the community around clean sport, around promoting fairness, and also telling the story of athletes who are 
doing right by the sport. They're working their butts off, they're running good times, and they're not having to cheat to do it. So today's conversation was great to dive a little into that organization about where they're looking to go with it. And also, Adam throws throws Tom Brady under the bus. So Allegedly. Allegedly throws Tom Brady under the bus. You'll have to stick around and check that out. But it was great to hear some of the behind the scenes, the inside scoop on how drug testing works in track and field, about some other organizations like the MLB and the NFL as well. Kara's experience with Alberto Salazar. You're not going to want to miss it. So make sure you listen ahead to this conversation with Clean Sport Collective. Today's beer of the week is Dragon's Milk, and it's a it's an 11% stout. Uh, this one goes back for us um, almost over a year ago is when we first had this, when our startup got acquired, had a long night, more than one bottles of those drank. I'm not a stout guy, but for a special occasion, like hitting a thousand subscribers on YouTube, I'm down for it. We have every cause to celebrate. Thank you all for helping us get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. We're sponsoring our first ever race. And yeah, and to throw back as well, when our startup got acquired on January 8th, 2020, and when you have an open bar tab at the celebratory event in the evening, and this is one of the included items, you know, you might have yourself a time. So we'll be reviewing this at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that after our interview with Clean Sport Collective. On top of reviewing the beer of the week, we are also bringing back a segment for the second time, shoot your shot, stick around for Chris and I to send some Instagram DMs to some of our favorite athletes and trying to get them to come on the pod. Yeah, we had a good response to last episode on our Shoot Your Shot segment, so we're sliding into more DMs in the outro. So stick around to the end as we shoot our shot with some other people who are way above our stature in the uh, game of clout. So with that, let's dive right in our conversation with Chris, Shanna, and Kara of Clean Sport Collective. Today on the Beer Mile Podcast, we're joined by Kara Shanna and Chris of Clean Sport Collective. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. To kick things off, for our listeners that may know Clean Sport Collective or may not, could you just give us the quick background story origin on how the, how Clean Sport Collective started and what problems you are here to help solve? Yeah, I could take that. Um I'm the co-founder of Clean Sport Collective. So we started in 2016. So um, we really, I was Kara's agent. So there's a backstory um, through all of this. And when Kara was going through everything that she was going through with Alberto Salazar and coming out to, you know, testify against him and speak publicly, like, I was a big part of that, helping her with that. Um, but literally it felt like watching your best friend go through a car wreck and you couldn't really do anything about it um, other than like navigate that for her. So really wanted to create something around um, really helping. So we launched this 501c3 um, and we had really good help and guidance from um, a board member. He's the CEO of Noon. Uh, his name is Kevin Rutherford. And then my husband, Kevin Burnett, who was at the time my co-founder at our agency, ModCraft, and really wanted to put something behind like 
actually doing something. I think there wasn't a lot of faith in the governing bodies um, or WADA, um, but really wanted to create a groundswell movement of athletes and brands and fans, um, doctors. I mean, we, we really wanted to create this pledge that anybody could take and that really show that this is a group effort. Um, it's a collective effort to dope and it's a collective effort to be a clean athlete. So um, really wanted to rally behind Karen Adam was really the reason, but then to help people be like, what can I do? Well, you know what? You can do something. You can take a pledge. You can support brands that only support clean athletes. So that's kind of the the short version um, of a very long process of creating a nonprofit. Absolutely. And I, I remember right after it launched, seeing a ton of runners posting on social media that they had taken the pledge. And so I thought it was, it, it's, you did a really good job up front of marketing it and getting people to be the voice of it and, and build that awareness and knowledge. So I was certainly aware of it very quickly just through the number of athletes that you got to take that pledge early on. So what it, what exactly does that mean? What does taking the pledge mean? What uh, What is an athlete agreeing to when they do that? So a professional athlete, I think, has the biggest um, stake when they take the pledge because there's a $25,000 fine if that athlete is tested positive. Um, but really a brand also has a lot at stake. So when a brand signs a pledge they're they are committing that they're only going to support clean athletes. Um, and anybody that's tested positive, then they do not support that athlete anymore. Um, and that's where like, we got a lot of traction too, because obviously the Brooks and the Sauconies, uh, of the world signed up instantly, you know, but the Nike did not ever sign the pledge, you know? So I think that's where it is. And then as a fan, you're, you know, you're pledging that you're going to support and cheer on clean athletes. So every pledge is a little bit different um, considering where they are at, li at life, you know, student athlete pledges and does not take that same toll that a professional athlete takes. Got it. And ha has anyone ever, broken the pledge? Has anyone ever had to pay the $25,000? Has that come into, come into? I know that's a good question. No, but we were really nervous, Kara and I, because Kara has been obviously a big part of starting this nonprofit too. We were at the 2020 Olympic trials in Atlanta together. And we were really nervous because all of a sudden, like we're there for the Olympic trials and our uh, social media started getting flooded with Brooks was sending this these this gear out to this athlete that um, tested positive, and it was like EPO, like all of this, um, and we're like, no, because they were like the the one brand that really like helped forge this for us. Yeah. Um, but luckily, like we contacted them, and it was an athlete that bought all the Brooks gear and was pretending like that they were still part of the team. And Brooks took to social media right away and said that that athlete wasn't a part of the team. But that was the only situation where we thought it was going to get tricky. But luckily, it didn't. <laughs> that's that's scary. I, I feel like Brooks is very much like that, which I guess we don't really – a lot of athletes that we've talked to skate around painting these pictures around brands. But yeah, it's interesting, even like around the stuff that Kara was going through with Alberto. Like we've talked to people before – who are in the same circles and for whatever reason, like nobody ever says his name anymore. And I don't know why. Yeah. It's, it's, a, well, it's a, I think it's, <laughs> yeah, it gets complicated for athletes, right? Like they, 
are sponsored by Nike or who is who is funding his appeal coming up. So it's tricky for athletes. I totally understand. It's kind of funny how many people, when I see them in person, want to talk about it, but won't talk about it publicly. But there is a, a big understanding from me. Even for me, at the end of my career, it was such a distraction talking about it. And so I totally understand. And especially the athletes that are actually sponsored by Nike, they're in a really tricky situation, right? They're not going to come out and speak poorly of Alberto Salazar when there's a building on their on Nike's campus and they're funding his appeal. So they're in a tricky position. And I do understand that. Yeah, absolutely. The the Nike athletes that we've talked to, that that's pretty much the won't go on record saying anything about it because exactly that. Nike's their employer. You, uh, you got to make a livelihood. You don't want to lose your job. So Curious right. from your perspective, and, and you talk a lot about this on on the Clean Sport Collective podcast as well, around just the the fear that I'm sure you felt when you were, you know, coming out about everything and and getting in front of it and along with Adam talking about your experience um with with Alberto. What was that like, especially from the Nike brand being so big? And uh what all what all were you feeling and what all uh I guess, backlash did you get from, from different people in the community and, and maybe Nike themselves? Yeah. I mean, half your listeners are going to think I'm a liar and half of your listeners are going to believe I'm telling the truth. And that's just sort of how my life has become. Um, Adam and I had been approached many, many times about why we left there. I mean, there was potentially a big piece that was going to run right before the Olympics in 2012. And we kind of like avoided all of that. I felt like if I spoke publicly that it would ruin my career. And so I was always like, I'll never talk about it publicly until either he's been found guilty or I'm done racing. Um, but in 2015, you know, BBC and ProPublica, they were going to do this piece, whether I was a part of it or not. I mean, it was 100% happening. It wasn't like these past ones where they needed more people on the record. And originally I said I wasn't going to do it, but Adam did it. So they flew out here from the UK and they interviewed Adam. And then I met with them uh, as right before they headed back to the airport. And it really started to bug me like that. I wasn't brave enough to, to just do it, you know? And, and I felt like it was time. I prayed about it. I talked to Shanna about it a ton. Um, and then finally I just said, if you guys will come back over to the U S I'll, I'll go on record as well. Um, and so you know, that was a really icky part of my life. To be honest, I lost a ton of friends. I lost some contracts. I had difficulty getting into some races after that. Um, it was a lot more than I thought it would be. And it continues to be, um, hopefully, you know, with the appeal, we'll be able to finally put it to bed, but it's been really tricky and it's definitely changed the trajectory of my career and of my life. And it's, it's been tough, but it, at the same time, I don't regret it not for a moment. And I would do it again. Especially the, the worst place on the internet, let's run message boards. Um, having, having read those more than I should over the years, uh, there's all, there's always both sides and like just doping in general, kind of multiple different angles on it. And I, I'm curious. So as a part of formulating the argument, um, like throwing out some of the common objections that people have or like counter arguments that they may have, one of them, it, it, is it just a lost fight in general to, so if you think about, I guess the world, painting it in kind of a bad picture. So capitalism, there's an incentive to to cheat, to win, to make more money, uh, you know, the reward risk ratio of any given action and people are competitive, they wanna win. So do you ever think about, it, from that 
I'm looking at it from a very negative point of view in that regard. But do you ever think about it as like this is a fight that's too big that we could to ever to ever win, I guess, that we could ever accomplish having a clean sport just in that there's so many incentives out there to to cheat uh, in many cases? I mean, I think about this all the time. I, you know, I'm like prepping for the, the upcoming um, court of arbitration of sport hearing. And I'm like, why am I, why am I fucking doing this? You know, like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I stressing out and spending so much of my life in this place that I don't want to be? Um, I think Shannon, Chris and I have talked about it. I think that it's, it is potentially a never ending battle. But the thing is like, I, when the days that I feel really defeated, I wake up the next day and I'm like, no, I'm not going to fucking stop. I'm not going to stop just because they have more power or they have more money or they're making my life difficult. And I can let Shanna and Chris jump in on their thoughts there, but I do get overwhelmed for sure. Like I'm human and it is a huge problem. Well, there's two other things I think that people maybe don't get right in the story. One is there's this mythology that the cheaters are always ahead, that they have more money, that they're smarter, that their science is better. And while that to some extent is true, that's the mythology that the governing bodies want you to believe as to why they can't keep up. When in when the reality of that story is that the governing bodies, many of them, not all, but many, don't care enough to solve the problem. And because of the politics involved, they would rather give lip service to the process of catching cheats than to actually catch cheats. And once you realize that if they cared, they could actually do something about it and real change would happen. And so part of this is, yes, we can check, catch the cheats. Yes, we can get ahead of it. There's examples of, of organizations that are taking big strides. USADA being one of them on that path, but you have to have the will within the governing body. And part of our mission is to put pressure upward <laughs> to hopefully change that will. And then the second part to me, the more optimistic part of the story is that in spite of those cheating, there are still just amazing, powerful stories of athletes that are doing it the right way. Part of our podcast, our mission is to tell those stories so that when fans watch, they know who they can cheer for. And yes, there's always going to be the negative stories that come out, but there's so much more power if you know who's doing it the right way and can really latch on to those stories. Yeah, I was listening. Yeah. To, oh, so not go ahead. Please. But I was listening to, I think it was an episode from last April. And I thought Chris had a really interesting mindset around like still finding, I don't know, not getting disillusioned with the sport because there is like rampant cheating. Like how do you kind of still like keep the, the flame and passion alive, even though there's, there's so much cheating, doping, et cetera. For me, it's knowledge is power. And that's, again, part of what we're trying to accomplish. If you're educated about the issues and if you're not turning away from them and put, turning a blind eye, and if you actually really understand what's going on, then you can get to a point where you start to see the signs of what's real and what's not. And when you, when you get to that point, then you can make educated decisions about who you're going to follow and invest your energy in and who you're not. And for me, who's purely a fan, I mean, I'm not competing. I've never competed at a level like Kara. I'm just purely a fan. Once I had that knowledge and then therefore can choose, make decisions about where I invest my energy because I can feel good about certain athletes and not others, then I can get excited because I can believe in what I'm seeing, at least as it relates to those athletes that I've decided to follow. And so part of what we're trying to do with our podcast is tell those stories so that fans can have that hope. 
but you have to be educated. You have to be willing to look at the dark side and to understand it, I think, in order to stay on the positive side as well. I think too, like, like to echo Chris, it's like hope is greater than fear. And I think that was the whole reason why we wanted to also start this nonprofit when we were like, dopers take all the headlines, but why aren't we celebrating all the clean athletes, you know, and having that hope in those clean athletes. And that's why you saw when we launched the clean sport collective, so many athletes with the videos taking the pledge, because there's so many athletes to believe in. And I think we've even found that more with our podcast is that there, we haven't run out of guests. Uh, and we're not going to run out of guests because there are so many people that integrity means more to them than the risk, uh, that doing things the right way, that the future generation, like when we look at our kids that we're actually paving away from them and we don't want them to have to deal with the issues that Kara and Adam have to deal with, right? So I think that that's what really motivates us is because when you feel down sometimes, it's like the conversation we have with Jim Walmsley today, like, you know, it just like brings back that hope and that perspective that it's not as bad as you think because sometimes when people get caught, it's like they take the headlines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting to, to your, especially to your point, Chris, about, you know, knowledge is power. I think so many people do just kind of throw up their hands and anytime, and especially if you throw in the, the whole shoe argument as well, like people definitely throw up their hands. Anytime there's a new record, it's just like, all right, they're either doping or it's the shoes or it's both. And so a lot of people are just kind of, I don't know. At this point, I, I feel like some there's still the super fans of of the sport, but there's also a growing number of people in the audience that are skeptics as well. At least from my perspective, my vantage point. I don't know about to the general public, but at least in the running community, that's what I'm I'm seeing more and more. So that's great. Getting people to understand that and to be educated and not just throw up their hands is certainly a big part of the battle as well. Um, and I, I'm curious. A couple of questions based on that one. So understanding when to be skeptical and who to root for, I think that's hard for, that's hard for me to, from my vantage point to have a to ballpark it. Yeah. To ballpark, to understand, you know, is that person clean or dirty? It's hard for me to know without knowing them. Well, I, I feel like you all are very close to it. You might have a better sense of, you know, how to judge that. So I'm kind of curious what, I guess, what percent of, U.S. athletes in, we'll say, track and field, do you think are cheating in some way? Um, and then how does that compare to the rest of the world? Do you think the U.S. is cleaner than the rest of the world? And yeah, what, what would be your estimate on that? You know, it's really hard to make an estimate like that. And it's, I, I just go back to, you know, when I was still competing, we we took a survey through what was then IAAF about Drug, drugs and had we used it or not. And it was completely anonymous. And it was over 60% of athletes at the world championship said they had at some point. That's really high. I mean, that's like, there's six of us here at least, or there's five of us here. No, there's yeah, five. So three of us have done it. Right. So, I mean, that's extremely high. And so I, I don't want to be so naive that I'm like, I mean, I love the sport so much. I love the beauty of competition. I care about competition more than times and I can, easily just lose myself in it because I love the sport, but I don't want to be so naive that, you know, I see someone running a crazy 10 K time or whatever it might be that I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's totally possible now. Because then that actually, it hurts the sport because now the level of expectation is that something that is just unrealistic. So 
I think, you know, that, that study was really upsetting to me. Obviously, I think only one to 2% of athletes at that level get caught per year worldwide. So it's not working. Right. right. Um, but all of that being said, I don't think that 60% of elite athletes in the U S are doping. I just don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. I think it's, you know, the majority of our athletes are clean. I don't think that we're better necessarily than other countries. Um, I think we all, all the countries have different types of problems, whether it's, you know, systemic from the government or, you know, groups funded that get great funding here in the U.S. I mean, it's just, they're all different. Um, but I don't think that in, as a whole, most of our athletes are doping. I just don't believe that. I mean, the Olympic trials marathon was just so awesome to watch and see. And I would say the amount of athletes that were doping there was, was a small percentage. I really, I believe that. Yeah. Maybe I have to, because I would fall out of love with the sport, but that's what I believe. And we also have a drug testing agency in USADA that's one of the best in the world that's taking it seriously. And not every country has that. So I think that's an advantage that American fans have that they can point to. And that's not to say that they're catching everybody, but it should make you rest easier at night as an American fan that our watchdog, the one trying to catch the cheats is really, really actually trying to do it. Cause that's not necessarily true across the world. Definitely. So I, I guess on the note of, of USADA, one thing that I was trying to understand was the concept of the biological passport. Um, can you like describe how that works? Like what the testing parameters are? Yeah. So in the biological passport, they're not looking for some crazy EPO level or some crazy testosterone. It's more of a pattern, right? So we all have like, we go to altitude, maybe we get a bump in our hermetocrit, but in general, we, we all have our own gifts and that's included in our blood. And so the biological passport, what it does is it, it sort of tracks your information over time. And the more times you're tested, the better, right? Because you have this, this profile of your own blood. And so the biological passport, the way it works is you can see a number that maybe isn't like a positive number that's like a red flag number, but it's such a variant from your history that it indicates that you need to be looked into more. And typically, I mean, people have gotten busted on the biological passport, but what it really does is sort of tends to focus in on target testing. Okay, this person, you know, their EPO levels or their, their uh you know, their HGH or their testosterone or their hematocrit, whatever it is, is extremely off for them. And we've been testing them for two, three, four, five years. And now we need to go in and target test them. So as a clean athlete, the biological, biological passport is awesome. And the, the more times you get tested, the more times you build out your passport. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, like within uh, the past year with COVID, like how has that impacted the passport testing? I mean, it has impacted it, right? We had Travis on early in the pandemic and he just admitted like early on they couldn't test and USADA had launched a, like a virtual testing where you were like on camera um, trying to like come up with a solution. I think we have to be honest that from March until July, it was pretty easy to get away if you wanted, right? Because you are also allowed to miss three tests. So you were kind of allowed to I mean, it's just so skeptical, but it's just facts, right? Some people are always going to take advantage of the system. Mm -hmm. the, the numbers that WADA recently released show that October, November, December, they were back on normal out of competition um, testing levels. So it really was like this six, seven month stretch that of course is, is worrisome. I mean, it's worrisome. It definitely, because it, 
it stays with you as well. It's not like it goes away. And I think especially these, these first kind of few rounds of track meets that we've had where we're seeing some great times, I think it just brings into question again, and, and people are talking about it, I guess, is it, is it the new spike technology or is there, is it due to COVID or, or is it, if you're looking at it from the positive side, is it just that people didn't have to worry about peaking for races all this time and they just got great training and then they were able to just grind it, grind it out for a long period of time and not worry about tapering or peaking and they're reaping the benefits of it now. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting to try to try to sift through all of that and understand like what, what are the factors that, that go into this? I think actually on let's run um, co-founder, I can't remember if it's uh, Robert or Weldon, but they, they're like, well, kids aren't partying anymore because there's no parties. So maybe they're not drinking enough alcohol. And so they're running faster because of that. It's like, there's so many theories. Uh, There's so many different factors that tie into your performance that it's hard to, uh, yeah, hard to know exactly what to attribute everything to. Yeah. And it has been crazy. I mean, people have hit the ground running as soon as they were able to race. Right. And it could be that they haven't raced as much that they're motivated. They haven't had the normal distractions. They haven't been traveling. I mean, all those things are very real. Um, we know that shoe technology, it, it was ridiculously proven on the roads. We know that that's shifting to the track. So we know that's a part of it. So like the optimist in me kind of feels bad for athletes that are having great performances. Cause I'm like, it could easily be explained. But of course, the pessimist in me is like, I mean, what the hell? There was no drug testing for six or seven months, right? And that that sucks for the athletes right now. I mean, honestly, like that sucks for any clean athlete right now that steps out and runs well, because it, there could be a perfectly logical and inspiring explanation for why they're running fast. And ultimately, context matters, right? I mean, we can't know right now. And as fans, we can't know at all. We, we, we're, you know, it's not fair to ever accuse anybody of doping. But again, what I like to say is as a fan, you get to choose who you invest your time in. You, you're not the judge and jury. So you're not able to say that person's cheating, that person's not, but you can choose who you invest your time in. And as a fan, for me, I got to look at the context and, and for individual athletes, it may, it may take a while for me to build my understanding of what that person's results might represent to me, but that's okay. And I think for now, there's going to be a lot of wait and see as to how does this now play out over time, especially as we understand more about what the shoe impact really is. Yeah. So to me, the context over the next year or two will actually give us more information about what really happened right now. On, on the topic of the shoes, is is there a big problem with the shoe technology, assuming that everyone would have access to the same shoes? I mean, running running purists would say yes, because you can't compare times over history, which definitely it makes the sport harder to follow over time and a little bit less appealing from that regard. Um, but at the same time, there's always been shoe technology and you could always, you could argue that there's always been a better shoe than another shoe. So I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts, well, I, I kind of know what your thoughts are on that, but for our listeners who maybe don't listen to you directly um, yet, yeah, talk about, talk about that and whether, is that really that big of an issue assuming that everyone would have access to the next percents or the alpha flies, um, or is it still an issue? Big assumption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a curmudgeon. I, the, my, the last big race in my career was the first race that alpha flies or vapor flies were used in. Right. So I, I missed this part of, of competition and having to adjust. I think, you know, I'm friends with Des Linden talking to her about it, hearing the way that she's had to readjust the game, but still loves the game has helped me a lot. I don't have a problem with technology. I don't have a problem with, um, you know, 
as long as it's across the board. Like a lot of people will bring up this Cinder track, but when once we went to Mondo and we had like a, a artificial track, like everyone was running the same race on that track at the same time. Yep. And, you know, obviously the shoes, I'm, I am worried that other companies are behind. Um, we've seen that some people respond to Vaporfly 3%, some people get up to 8% benefit, right? So like all of those things worry me but I am happy that we're finally getting to a place where it seems like all the other companies like woke up and realized like, oh no, this is happening. Like we either have to like get on the, you know, we have to jump on the board or we're going to be gone. So I feel like it's starting to level out more and more, but the problem is we don't, we got to see the research on the original Vaporfly. And then we haven't on any shoe since from any company, not just Nike. We have no idea what the, what the Hoka shoe does. We have no idea what the Brooks shoe does. So we don't really know that it's equal yet. But yes, in a hypothetical world, if you told me everyone was going to be equal, I'd be like, great. We just have to readjust what we expect time-wise and we have a new baseline and let's go. Ross Tucker put it well on our show, I think, or maybe on Twitter, but he said, it's a problem when you have to wonder if you change the shoes, if that'll change the result. If some, you know, if, if if who's wearing what shoe changed and that result changes, then that becomes a problem because then it's about the technology in this arms race with footwear versus the actual athletic performance on the track. For sure. For the first time, I think you're a responder, right? Like we're not, we're not talking about responding to, you know, normal flat track spikes. So I think that even comes into the equation, right? Like you take EPO, there's like levels of responders there too. So I think it just kind of makes it really gray. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, Certainly there have been so many close races, whether it's Olympic trials, the Olympics world championships, where it is a couple seconds and it can be a million dollar difference in how much you earn over a career just based on shoes potentially. So yeah, certainly, certainly an issue. I, and I, and I knew, I knew what the stance was on that. So I I just, I mean, I get, I get a lot, a lot (laughs) of hate mail about this. I have to say, and I just want to say, I'm not saying that you, you didn't work hard to get there. Like people are like, you're such a bitch. Like they worked hard. I've, I've never denied that. Just mm-hmm. what Chris said. I just want to know that a shoe didn't change the outcome of a race. If everybody's the same, I don't care. I just want to see beautiful racing. And I'm not ever going to say they didn't work hard. I know that the shoes don't take you from a 245 marathoner to a 221 marathoner but they could take you from 224 to 221. And that's a big difference. And so let's just acknowledge it. And, you know, I thought it was so interesting when Nick Willis wore this, wore the new balance spikes and said, I ran faster than I was in shape to run. He's been doing it forever. He knows his body. And that's what I'm just sort of looking for now is like, let's just be open about the fact that they are changing the game. It's not insulting anyone. It's just reality. Like let's just all live in this reality. A hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've tried the dragonflies recently, <laughs> big difference, especially just in how I feel the next day, like my calves and everything big difference. And then, yeah, I mean, I've done, I've run a marathon in like the Nike streaks and I've run a marathon in the vapor flies, big difference. So yeah. And see, that's what I want to know as I'm not a coach, but I want to know from coaches, does this change the way you train your athletes? Because they can recover faster, right? Just like you said, you felt better the next day. We hear this from marathoners. And I'm like really interested, will this start changing the way you have to train as an athlete? Yeah. I'm um, curious yeah. three of your thoughts on uh, like on shoe technology, you, you kind of mentioned training differently. Like how much do you think have outside factors, you know, beyond just like athletic training have influenced like the last 30 years of running? Is it mostly just 
we know how to train better or is it a mixture of that as well as technology, potentially doping, cheating, et cetera? I don't, you know, I don't know. I do think some of it's technology, better surfaces for sure, better shoes. I mean, there's no doubt that what someone was running in 30 years ago was inferior to what you can run it now. I mean, like, like that's just the truth. And even over the course of, course of my career, the shoes got better. I remember in Osaka, in 07, I was given this pair of super freaking light spikes and they were a prototype. So here's me angry about prototypes and I did it myself, right? So and they were the lightest shoes I've ever felt. So like, even in my career, I saw shoes change so much. And so there's no doubt that that stuff changed. And I think about stuff like, you know, altitude tents, people taking altitude more seriously, um, certainly nutrition stuff. Although I think we kind of overplay how much that actually plays a role in performance. Uh, but like these, even things like alter G's that have helped people stay healthy. I mean, it, it has changed a lot of the sport, but I think the bread and butter of the training hasn't changed that much, but that's just my own opinion. I'll let Shannon and Chris jump in there if they want. I mean, I think you just got to look at a little by a little bit by era. You know, we had the EPO era prior to Sydney Olympics when EPO was not tested yet. And there were massive gains at that time. Also at that point, there, there wasn't a lot of East African athletes at the distance events and that began to happen late 90s into the 2000s which obviously then introduced a whole new talent pool into the mix and so that started to affect things and you know we've learned that microdosing you know kind of became a thing through the cycling efforts of guys like Lance Armstrong and things like that and so there have been various I think advances on the doping side that have definitely correlated with massive increases in times, but you could probably also point to parallel training or recovery or nutrition related advances that probably happened at the same time. So really, truly understanding the impact is probably impossible. Well, I think that's also like that EPO era. You didn't even see an increase in times. You also saw uh, how, how like these athletes were able to go harder in training, right? They're able to recover faster and then they needed less recovery in between hard workouts. And that's where a lot of gain was. So I think, you know, that's, that was different then. Right. And you look at training groups and to see like how they recover and um, versus now, I think that's like very telling of like doping. Do you think like focusing on the, on the shoes and kind of how there's like this arms race, do you think there's like an answer to how, how we solve that issue? Cause obviously like corporations are not going to work together. If there's incentive to have the best shoe, like how do you, how do you kind of go around this situation? The IWF could solve the world athletics. I should say should, could solve this if they wanted to. It's not that complicated. They want you to believe again, like with doping, they want you to believe it's complicated when it's not. If you gave simple rules, if you had limits on the stack heights that were reasonable, 20, 25 millimeters, then, and, and you banned carbon plates or whatever it may be, then you could level the playing field very quickly. They won't do that because they're in bed with certain companies <laughs> and that's unfortunate. I also think Stepco is doing a disservice to the sport. He's clearly the president of world athletics. He's clearly latched onto this idea that advancing times is the thing that's going to get fans to, 
to support the sport and build the sport. And I just fundamentally disagree with that perspective, but that's where he's put his bet or made his bet. And so he's going to, in my, from my perspective, as long as he's president, he will continue to promote things that lead us to faster times, whether it be the shoes, the lights, you know, the pacing lights around the track being lax at times on doping. And that's just kind of the way it is. But I, I think that does a disservice to the future of the sport because it discards the concept of storytelling, which is really, I think what helps build fans. Yeah, I wish that World Athletics had the balls that swimming did when the suits came in and swimming, right? And they were like, whoa, records are in free fall. This isn't what we want for our sport. Um, I wish they would do that. But, you know, now we're, we are where we are. And it's, it's, it is an arms race. Another, I guess, devil's advocate situation, um, and not saying I agree with this, just throwing, throwing this out as a, as a scenario here. So the argument, I've heard this before that, so obviously like everyone is different, you know, nobody, uh, everyone has different talents. Everyone's built to be good at different things. Certain people are, you know, have a better mental capacity for being a CEO of a company, whereas other people are better at distance running versus sprinting versus swimming. So what are your thoughts on the, the unfair advantage that already naturally exists among athletes just by being of different genes? So for example, like I could never be an Olympian in the marathon. I'm too heavy. Just my, my natural, even at 6% body fat, exactly. Even at 6% body fat, my, my weight is too heavy to be an elite marathoner. And I get that. So is it unfair for me then to, and, and also very low, uh, red blood cell count, low iron, all these other things. Is it unfair for me to, to, to essentially to cheat, to get up to the same level as someone else to, to make myself equivalent at least try to make myself equivalent to say someone of east african descent i think the beauty of sport is like we're so fascinated about what humans can do right right like the purity of humans of what they can do yes i'm never going to be a kara goucher but i want to see what kara goucher can do i want to see what kara goucher can do unaided unaided by like shoe technology unaided by drugs but i can believe in her may i never be at that level no but I don't think it should ever inspire me to want to cheat to be at that level. Right. I think that what makes sports so awesome or why you admire certain CEOs or why we admire Kara is because of these um, talents that they're blessed with. Um, and I don't, I don't, I have no interest in seeing like an aided performance in any way. Um, you know, to the shoes, like, yes, get them on everyone's feet and then let, let's watch that. But uh, I don't, I don't think that there's any, any way to go down that road. And also like, look, becoming a great marathoner or a great hundred meter runner, it's, that's not a right. Yeah. That's not a right. It's just, yeah. it's luck of the draw. A lot of it's just luck with genetics and luck with how hard you're, you're willing to work. And you know what, you may never be an elite marathoner, but I guarantee you have some skills that Kipchoge doesn't have, believe it or not. Right. So it's like, right. it's just, it's not a right to be the best at something. It's just, it is, it just isn't. I want to be that founder of Bumble right now and have an IPO, but like, (laughs) man, I did not do that. And I admire the hell out of her and what she's doing for women. And that's really inspirational, right? Just exactly what I see with Kara. I don't, I don't dishonor her or have any jealousy whatsoever, but man, you know, she inspires me in other ways to make me a better person. So I think that's what we really need to focus on. Chris, you look like you are. Well, it's about truth, right? I mean, if it's about truth. And if it's about doing it naturally with your 
given talent. And that's what we believe we're watching that it should be about that. Mm-hmm. There are rules to, to, to make sure that that's the way it is. And so if you are breaking those rules, then it, it isn't about that natural ability and it becomes something completely different. I mean, I know in weightlifting, I think, or bodybuilding, they have, they have the steroid division and then they have the clean and natural division. And, and at least, you know, and if you're following those sports that in whatever division you're deciding to share, you know what the rules are and the parameters and you accept that as a fan. But in our case, you're not supposed to do it aided. And we believe in the beauty of that as an, as a, your the ability to put your natural talents forward. And so that's the way it should be. Yeah. And I, I think I was, we, I was just going to say, I think we can all agree. Like there's no better feeling than like working your ass off and then running a PR and knowing that you like really earned it. And just to your point, Shanna, regardless of whether it's breaking 20 in the 5k, breaking 17 in the 5k, it's like you are at the best you've ever been at. And yeah, it, it'd be hard for me to have any pride in what I'm doing. If I knew that it wasn't me working to achieve that, if it was me just cheating in some way, um, it's just the, the heart, I guess the, the part where it transitions to people feeling the need to do that is when you start talking about big money and I guess ego on being better than other people and winning and all of those types of things. And yeah, there are too many, too many incentives that some people aren't able to, uh, refuse there. Like, yeah, I hope at the end of the day, performances don't define us like that we're more than performances, right? Like, who, like when I talk to like, even my kids about this, like, who are you? What I really care about is your teachers are telling me about your character and that you're a good person and that you're doing things the right way. You may not be the smartest at math and I don't care about that, but you need to show integrity in everything that you do. And I think that's what like we need to foster. And I think like even 2020s taught that in many ways. Um, outside of sport, you know, that integrity matters. And I, I, of course, there's always going to be money at the line, but does that ever fulfill you? I hope not. Yeah. So I guess like a hypothetical question off of the steroid division, I think it, it kind of speaks some truth to the entertainment aspect of actually, like, you know, true performances. Do you think that would help with the running situation where you have a lot of cheaters but if we separate like if we have like some unlimited completely division. unregulated like go dope all you want go do all the you know performance enhancing drugs do you think that would make the sport at least the the one that everyone else is going to care about more clean i think i mean look look at cycling for example right like how i mean how disheartened is every fan of cycling I think that's a, like, that is like the WWE of endurance sports. Like <laughs> honest to God. I mean, like, yeah, was Lance a great cyclist? Of course. And that doesn't discount that, but I mean, there is nothing to believe there. And I think like, you've seen that with a fan base, like, gosh, I remember like being naive and cheering for Contador and, you know, Lance being all inspiring. Now it's just a joke. Right. And I feel like we all feel like we're dope, like a little bit duped because of that. So I think like that goes to show you that, I think there's not a lot of trust or excitement around professional road cycling anymore. And I think there's your division of, of proof in a lot of ways. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. uh, Growing up, there's the uh, Ragbri, the bike ride across the state of Iowa and, and Lance came and did an appearance there. This was before he was caught. And 
I remember it being like one of the highlights of my elementary school days. Like I got to ride with Lance that day. I mean, with a thousand other people, but in that same group and wearing the yellow armband and all that stuff. And it's exactly like you said, you just feel like you were duped. And it's not to say that, yeah, he worked his ass off, obviously, but it still is just, it, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like that. Yeah. I, I don't care about you. And yeah. uh, your success is like, just, I don't care about it anymore because of that. Oh, totally. I was like, Contador totally ate tainted meat. It wasn't his fault. I mean, I didn't know at the time, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, how stupid you be? You know, and I had the bracelet too, and I had the Nike shoes um, to go along with it. You know, like there was like that, that hope that you believed in and you're like, it was crushing, right? Like we don't want to, I think that's too, where when Kara and I were thinking about turning clean sport into a podcast, like one of our one, like top ones that we wanted on that we still have not gone on was Brian Fogel, right? And then like, just because that documentary is like, on one end, it's great. And on the other end, it's like infuriating. Um, so, you know, I think that's, I don't know. I just think that cycling has really shown the way of where we really want to keep fighting for the purity, especially in running too. What, what's the ultimate goal then for, for clean sport collective? I mean, there's probably not an ultimate goal. It's obviously it's a process, but where do you see this going say in multiple years is the goal to just continue to acquire the big like brands, meet directors, all of these people to be a part of this movement. Um, And then also I, I noticed it's not just running, it's cycling, it's CrossFitters, it's, obstacle course racers. So I'm curious as well. Um, is that a part of the path forward is branching into all aspects of sport? Um, whatever basketball, NFL, are those all pieces of it too? Good luck with that. MLB. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, so we, we, that is our pie in the sky goal that everybody cares. And Shanna and I got to meet people from MLB and the NFL a couple of years ago at a conference and, you know, MLB pretended to take us more seriously than the NFL did. They pretended, but, uh, you know, like my, I, I would be so happy if every athlete that made that Olympic team this summer signed that pledge. Yeah. I mean, like that would just be unbelievable for us and and for the community. Um, but yeah, our pie in the sky goal is that every brand is on there, every athlete's on there and that we do infiltrate some of these bigger sports. I know that it's so unrealistic. I'm not like Pollyanna, you know, but I just believe if we chip away a little bit each year and keep growing our base and keep growing the fans that are part of this, that maybe someday we could get something big like that. Yeah. And I, I, we do want everybody to know that like, we would love Nike to sign the pledge. We would love that. And we would be all for that because they have so much power in sport. They really do. They can change just like world athletics sport overnight. They have that kind of power. So to see them like really participate and lean into clean sport would be amazing. And I think that is like one of the pie in the skies is that they sign the pledge and we do something with them because it's not like we, people think that we hate Nike. That's not the case. They just do things that are unethically wrong and we're going to call it out. Um, and that's why we wanted to start this, right? Like we don't want to be beholden by sponsors and not be able to say things that are true. Like that means a lot to us. Um, and we did have an opportunity for a partnership with MLB before COVID hit. And so there is that, you know, opportunity to go, 
into major sports. NFL is a little bit different. We're never going to see that one ever. So we're not. Hey, hey they, they talked to us. They pretended like they, <laughs> they pretended. And then we, then we got, we were at a, I mean, transparency. We were at a, a anti-doping conference in London. This is what Kara was talking about. We were sitting next to um, the guys that were in charge of doping from the MLB and uh, the NFL. And maybe a couple of glasses too deep, Shanna gets feisty and was like, really? I go to this guy, Usada, can you really tell me that NFL is clean? And he starts laughing because he was next to the NFL drug tester that does all of the drug testing for the NFL. And he was like, I was like, come on, there's no way. And he was just like, well, let's just say that they know when drug testing is coming. So if they do get caught, they're probably the dumbest people on earth. Is all I'm going to say about that. So we were, <laughs> our, our thoughts were reality at that point. Yeah. They said a few other things too, that we were like, yeah. I mean, basically what you think is what's going on, which right. is sad, but someday, someday they won't give MVP to someone who served a doping ban earlier in the season. Right. Yeah, you would hope. You would hope. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I have to be. Besides the Super Bowl just being like a boring game to watch, I was always (laughs) like, after however many years of watching Tom Brady, I'm like, there's no way. (laughs) He looks like he's 17. Oh man, that's a that's a call out. That is a call out. I know. I'm I'm actually like legit nervous for you right now. Yeah, edit that out. We don't. Yeah, we don't. I was gonna say. Listen, Edelman and Brady have the same trainer. So um, yeah, there's not much more you need to know. There's just so much life hacking and clean eating going on. You guys are so rude. Yeah, he doesn't eat sugar, Chris. I mean, I could I could still be competing at the same age if I just didn't eat sugar. <laughs> Don't you think that's like kind of I've personally I the reason why I and we are going to get a lot of shit from probably. <laughs> I'm going. I mean, out. it's real, guys. It's real. I. Love fucking hate tom brady <laughs> oh man i think i think he, <laughs> i think he is detrimental to kids growing up because of like the hashtag tb12 method i mean i just think it's bullshit because the, the tb12 method is just to like kind of cheese it's a cover-up it's sort of like it's just like lance and the in the stories they would tell about marginal gains. I mean, it's the same thing. There's always a reason why these things are true and it becomes a part of the mythology to get you both to believe. But the reality is if you're 43, you're not operating like that in that type of sport, unless there's something going on. That's just, it's just the reality, but you know, we all I'm so excited to be a part of an interview where I didn't say the most controversial thing. About the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Awesome. Oh my god, you were getting hate mail until minute fifty four, and then it shifted. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, I'll I, take all your hate. Yeah, that's you, fine. Yeah, Adam, Adam's gonna be the most hated ever now. <laughs> I mean, it, it is wild to see, like, just I mean. Just by looking at pictures or video of baseball players, football players from 20, 30 years ago, the size of the person versus the size of the person now, it's, I don't think our, 
our DNA, our genes have mutated that much in that short of a time. I think frame. it's also it's not like quite this. It's like the composition. Like uh, people back then were still big, but they were kind of fat. Like <laughs> like golfers. Well, okay, so I was at Interbike, the cycling trade show, and Barry Bonds was there because apparently he's a cycling fan. That was insane to see him in person. His head was like this big. I was like, oh my god, that's a lot of HGH, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Get it, not me. There Get it. it. Now I controversial. Something. Maybe on a less controversial note. To last couple <laughs> questions here to wrap up. So on the on the business side of things, so uh, Clean Sport Collective isn't. I, I don't think it's any of your full time things. It, it's all part of many ventures that you're a part of. So. Curious, kind of longer term. Well, number one, how to how much time is invested into this, and how does that balance with everything else going on in your life? And then, like longer term, what does that mean for for growing as well? Is it do you see this continuing to add more people and really focusing on it full time? Do you see yourselves focusing on it full time? Uh, yeah, where do you see that going? You know, it's so funny you say that because we had all these grand plans right before COVID and COVID kind of went a little bit to us, you know, like, because there's nothing you can do. Like our grand plans too was like this education and taking pro athletes and taking them to schools, right. And being able to like have this like kit to youth camps and to schools to talk about clean sports. So that's still like a part of the mission, but I think we all just got really uh, a little bit burned out. And I'll say that when we started, we really wanted to focus on like education. And that's where Kara and I thought about this podcast. And that's where we, um, you know, kind of shocked and then um, recruited Chris. So Chris does a lot of the legwork. and does a lot of everything. Yeah. Like we couldn't yeah. have been here with the podcast without him. So he carries a lot of the brunt of that. Um, so he can tell you about how many hours he spends because he spends the most right now. And I mean, right now it is just a passion. Like we don't get paid. Um, We just, you know, we meet on Thursdays and Fridays and knock out podcasts and that's what we do. And Chris does all the editing. Chris preps all the show notes. Chris does everything. (laughs) Really. We show up. The wrangler, Shanna wrangles, you know, people to come on. She, she sees who signed the pledge. She sees who's interesting right now. And I hit up like track runs when we need a track run. <laughs> and we do like, I mean, I think like when we were, this was so sad too, because it was at the Atlanta trials and we did a run where we like, we're like, show up, you know, hopefully we'll have 50 people come and support us on our little run. And we had like over 400. So I think that's where we're like, oh my gosh, we had so much momentum and excitement going into that. And then the world shut down and it just felt like at in 2020 was clean sport the most um prioritized nonprofit that should be around no i don't think so like it's, i think there's so many things with just like race racial injustice and everything that we needed to devote our times to i think we'll get that enthusiasm back but right now we kind of just took a a break but we wanted to like do more podcasts in person right like up our quality yeah. up our production have this become a part of like a documentary mini series there's a lot of different angles that were working on but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean obviously chris is the podcast guy he's got the nice mic the nice headphones so <laughs> i mean he has his own very successful podcast that's how we wrangled him into this in the first <laughs> place and so 
yeah, like Shanna has a full-time job. Chris has a full-time job. I have like eight part-time jobs. And so, but this is something I'm probably aside from like, you know, Wazelle and Ultra, this is something that I'm probably the most passionate about. So we're, we're going to keep, we're going to keep grinding it out. Yep. Absolutely. So how, from just from like an economic standpoint then, so you're, you're getting, I'm assuming donations and money from brands to help support that or no. I, so I was curious how the economics work. So like, especially longer term, if you, if you were able to have money and donations coming in that you could then reinvest, I guess, in a podcast and building community in uh, hosting events, all of these types of things, is that, I'm assuming that's part of the plan, but yeah, curious is that, that apparently that's not the case today. USADA is going to be, make a donation. And then also like we do now have our monthly board meetings back on tap. Thanks to Kevin Rutherford, who's not on this call. Um, and we want to like really focus on getting these, clean sports certified with these brands. Um, and then like that would be a way to make income and start there. Right. But just, we'd put it back in, we need better equipment. Okay. We want to, we want to do our interviews in person as much as possible. And we want to go to events. We had, we had such an amazing time meeting the clean sport community in Atlanta and we want to be at major marathons and be at major track meets. And so that's what that. <laughs> We have no money right now, but when someday we'll have money, that's what we want to do with it. <laughs> so so what does it take then for for us to become media sponsors? I noticed on your on your website you have media sponsors. We're a media company now. What is it what does it take? I don't know if it's gonna be within our budget, but I'm curious what it takes. Cause I mean we would I'm serious, we would we would really love to support it. We'll absolutely take the pledge ourselves as amateur athletes. Um, but yeah, what what does it take? Well, I mean, right now that's what it takes to uh, honestly, like signing the pledge, spreading the word, like that is the most important. I think at the end of the day, even if we have money, like to care support, we're going to reinvest it. It's not about the money for us. It's really about a passion that goes much deeper than that. So we'll definitely get back to you on that once we can uh, certify the beer mile as a clean event uh, <laughs> media company. But I think that's the most important for sure. We should also mention Shannon that we had a conversation recently with a new yes. sports league that I don't think we can talk about yet, but is coming brand new sports league that came to us and said, Hey, we want to start from the beginning, start from scratch, do this the right way from the beginning to establish clean sport culture. And they were asking us, what do we do to start from scratch and to do this the right way and to do it differently? And they're approaching it from a perspective of, you know, we want people to be able to believe in our product and we'll do anything we can to make sure that we get it right from the beginning. And so we've been brought in to help advise them on that, which could lead to some consulting arrangement for, for them and then some licensing of our logo and so forth to show that they're clean sports certified. So, that kind of stuff is really powerful and cool for us as well. Yeah, and they'll be legit. Oh. Risk getting back into management consulting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're hosting, well, not hosting. We are a name sponsor on the track meet, the Texas qualifier track meet in Austin um, on February 26th and 27th. So we're trying, we're, we're, we're getting into that route of, having coverage of meets, even though it might sound like we're a total joke as, as the beer mile media company, but, uh, That's kind of but we're, 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 tr <laughs> we're trying to go a completely different route of not necessarily just news about running, et cetera. There's enough of that out there, enough kind of running podcasts. Well, maybe there's not enough. You could always use more, but, uh, we're really focusing on the angle of like telling the athlete story, which very, very much aligns with what you're doing as well. 
Um, we're, that's really our focus for the podcast is to not talk about running a ton, but to get to know people and get to tell the story. Cause I think that'll help. Hopefully at least our hypothesis is that will help grow the sport a lot as people get more connected to the athletes, similar to what you're talking about with someone that you can like truly believe in that you can root for. Um, that's what we're trying to do as well. So we're looking at sponsoring races and well, we are sponsoring our first race and yeah, we're, that's we're awesome. So we love that. a lot. So don't ever like, I mean, there's a big responsibility in media, right? I mean, I know like my husband worked at Bellow News, all those editors knew that Lance was doping, right? Um, they definitely did. And I think when it comes to Karen being able to go somewhere, it was a media company that she trusted. So I think that's awesome. And I think there's a lot of responsibility there. And I think that's a main part of like signing the pledges of media is that you're telling those true stories and um, making sure that you know, the, the fans know what's, what's true and not versus like what, you know, so I think that's but really I think awesome. that what you guys are doing is so important because I do think the storytelling is what's going to attract more fans, not that's the fast great. times. They can't relate to any of the times. They can't relate to them. Now they can't relate to them if the miles four seconds faster, but the storytelling is what's what changes things. And I have to say just the three of us, like the athletes that we have interviewed, we all start following them. Like we are invested now that we know who they are as people. And I just feel like that's been such a miss in the way we, we commentate track meets and commentate marathons. We, if you talk about them as people, they become interesting. And now I'm invested. I need to see how they, how this goes. When you just talk about world record, it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, it does, of course it does, but for the general fan, that that's not going to rope them in. Man, we yeah. We might have to pay you a consulting fee just to clip that for like the tagline of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you can make connection. Yeah. Yeah. When, when track meet commentary is just about the runner's previous poor performance or good performance, or when you start talking about body image and start talking about women's bodies as a commentator, and that's all you have to say. It's yeah, it's a little, a little sad, to be honest. It so. is a little sad. There's so much more there. And I think like we're all lifelong runners, right? And we're fans and we run and we, we've gotten roped in because we've followed the stories and we know how hard people have worked for certain moments and we know how people have been screwed in certain moments and we know that they have families or, you know, whatever it is. And we're invested in that. And Fast times are super, super exciting, but you, you become a fan when you invest in the athlete themselves and we can do a better job of telling those stories. Definitely. Well said. Well said on a, on a lighter note to close out, we, I guess we got to ask being the beer mile podcast. Have any of you done a beer mile before? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no oh, I have not. Kara has been in a relay, right? Kara. Yeah, I've been in a relay. I have to say I'm, my fitness is horrendous at this point in my life, but I'm so efficient at drinking beer that I actually think I could be better now than I did when I attempted it before. <laughs> Let's talk about your rosé mile though, really quick. Ooh. Ooh. Kara. Hi. She <laughs> 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 thought she was going to die when she was like done. I was like, they're good or had a, you know how they do all those crazy miles. Yeah. They yep. did a rosé mile for Kara in Santa Barbara. And I thought she was going to puke at the end for sure. I didn't though. You did not. I won. What, like five ounces of rose? Is it like an entire? It was a whole bottle. Uh, oh man, yeah. I didn't know. Heading there, I thought it was going to be like a half a bottle. And then we get there and I'm like, so, like, is it like a, a small glass per lap? And they're like, oh no, it's a bottle. 
So you're just and I was like, I, I was like freaking out. I was telling Chana, I am going to get drunk and people are going to have pictures of me so drunk. But, you know, like I'm competitive. You, you go up. <laughs> you got to have to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah respect, respect. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds way harder than a beer mile. So I think, yeah, I think you're fine. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah, We did drink wine later that night, too, if that counts. We did. Yeah. Go yeah. Bounce back. Bounce back. All right. How about just a favorite, your favorite type of beer for, for each of you? I like the Reverend from Avery. Do you guys know this one? I know Avery, but I, no, I haven't tried that specific beer. So it's like, it's kind of like a triple. I like the triples. I like the triples too. Shanna's the one that got me on that, but I do like a White Rascal as well from Avery. Oh, heck yeah. I've had that one. Yeah. Really good. That's good. We've got a local brewery here called hops and grain i'm a big fan of their zoe which is kind of like a hoppy lager it's not full ipa but it's got some hops edge to it so anyway really good zoe hops and grain oh saisons in the summer too those are my oh, of course yeah of course we're with you on that absolutely <laughs> well i feel like we need to just hang out and like have a beer now i know <laughs> i got a dunkle guys why am i I'm the only one from Clean Spar with a beer. <laughs> that's that's in the bedroom. You're in your bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Inspired. That, that's a, that's why we started at just the tradition part of the podcast is we'll drink a new beer each podcast while we're recording and then review it at, at the end of the show in the outro. And it's going to be an excuse for us. It's like we're working, so like we have <laughs> yeah, to drink. Like yeah, obviously. So what are you drinking? So this isn't the one we're reviewing. This was just a a, a show beer. We're going to review the. Uh, dragon's milk it's a bourbon barrel stout so nice we're gonna sounds review fun. that one after this sounds like a friday night beer it, exactly oh, yeah. it's perfect to record on a friday <laughs> that's, a, that's how you just tell the wives like oh it's, we're working we're working we have to have <laughs> this for work beer. sorry no <laughs> awesome thank you so much for coming on it was great to chat and hopefully we get to meet in person at some event here in the maybe not near near future but i guess unless chris are you in austin in Austin, yeah. Okay, are you going to be at the Texas qualifier? When is it? What's the date? Two weeks from today. And so, it, the marquee events are Saturday evening, I believe. So the so the twenty seventh. There's going to be some good people there, Chris. Yeah, you should yeah. definitely get your. I'll probably there. be there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> racing the next day on a trail race, but yes, I'll be there. Cool. So, yeah, we'll we'll figure might, it out. Might see you there. We're we're the media guys. We're working with uh, Chavez and Merber and. Awesome. Uh, we're, the, we're the media dudes. So we'll, we'll, maybe we'll see you there. And yeah, Shannon, yeah. we'll hopefully meet you at some point at some event when it's uh, more kosher for everyone to get together and hang out. Or, yeah. Good. Tell Let me about your sweatshirts really quick. I know. Oh, uh, we have a. I love them. Oh, thank you. Uh, we have a. This is a podcast sponsor uh, called The Harrier. They're, they claim, they call themselves the first running streetwear brand. And so they have a ton of different like running shirts, uh, different, like, I don't know, like a Centro shirt and Andrew Weeding shirt. They have all these. And then this is their, uh, just their company crew neck. And it's, it's an interesting, an interesting mixture between like pop culture memes with running. And then also like, like okay. nice, nice stuff. Yeah. Nice stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Well done. Good. That, they'll they'll love that. They'll uh they'll thank they'll, they'll know that it was worth their money to sponsor a few of our episodes. <laughs> like Perfect. What else do you want us to say? <laughs> awesome. All right. Cool thank guys. You. Well, thank, thank you for having us. Have a great weekend. Thank you.
So there you have it, our interview with Clean Sport Collective. Comment below if you think Adam's a nut job and should be a Tom Brady fanboy or not. I mean, I don't know. This is probably the most controversial that we've personally gotten. I mean, we've stirred up some beef on this podcast, but it's never been us starting the beef. And now Adam just called out Tom Brady. So I think we just lost our future guest and Tom Brady coming on. Maybe we'll have to shoot our shot with him and uh, oh, yeah, get yeah. him to <laughs> shoot our shot with Tom Brady and see if he'll come on the podcast. Dude, I, point, I think that would be fucking hilarious. That would, okay, okay. I talked a lot of shit about Tom Brady, so I'm going to slide into his DMs if I can remember how to on... Oh, you can't... Can you not... You got to follow him first. Click follow. I don't want to follow him. Oh, you got to follow him first. He's a fucking cheater. Give him the follow. Okay, message him. We don't know that. Innocent until proven guilty. He's probably a cheater. All right, right, what do we say to Tom? Um, Wait, I got to have a sip of beer first. Okay, Keep going. All right. Hey, what's up, Tommy boy? Uh... Huge fan of the sport. Not. Um, but I'm a big fan of you. I think I think we should I think we should be overly nice to him because we could get him on the podcast and then we could like really want, work him though. Like I we, could, we could oh, put him through put him through the ringer. You know what I mean? But yeah. But what are the odds that he actually responds? Oh, pretty high. We have clout. I mean, pretty high. But do I want him on the podcast? Of course, promoting, we do. Promoting the TB12 method. We'll get oh, we'll get him on the podcast, and we'll get him to take the pledge live. Oh shit, Tom! Tom, we want you on the podcast, assuming you're willing to take the Clean Sport Collective pledge. Okay, that's way too much information for the first DM. He's gonna be like, "What the hey, hell? What, are you hey, what's up, about? Tommy boy? Was wondering if you would." Um, Come on the podcast if you yep. would come, on the, come podcast on the podcast and take the Clean Sport Co. pledge. Pledge, yeah. In your case, you can just donate 25k to them instead. We know you'll fail. <laughs> Smiley face. <laughs> Boom. Sent. Don't overthink it. You know, with that number one rule of shoot your shot, don't overthink True. it. Just fire away. True. You know, you, it's all about it's all about the numbers. You spray and pray. You put out as many shots as you can, and you're bound to get a couple kills. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. That's Vol- volume over over quality for Vol- sure. Yeah. Yep. All about the quantity over quality. So there you go. Slid into Tom Brady's DMs. That's an unrealistic one. I, for my shoot your shot today, I'm doing a lot more of a realistic shoot your shot option here. So let's let's keep let's actually keep sipping this beer because I got to work up the nerve because this is actually one that I think we could win over potentially. Yeah, I think this is a potential future guest. So leave us a comment below. On top of giving Adam hate if you're a big Tom Brady fanboy or fangirl. Let us know who we should shoot our shot with next. We'll we'll take suggestions. We're not afraid of anyone. We we already slided everyone's DMs, so we'll we'll keep it going. So let's go. Well, I will say in the meantime, this uh, it's nice and warms me up. You know, this is very good. So Dragon's Milk, what we're drinking here, bourbon barrel aged stout, eleven percent. This is brewed in Holland, Michigan. So another Midwest state. Kind of local, I guess you could say. You know, one state over from us. I don't know. For some reason, I, we're both not massive fans of stouts. I just don't like how heavy they sit. Um, and also, I'm not a big fan of bourbon by itself. But for some reason, for me, I mean, bourbon barrel-aged stuff is 
It's pretty good. I would I, similarly I the, the Goose I think Island the, one. The form factor is important. Like these, like I think these are five ounce glasses, right? The little, uh, the little yeah, they're like the six sixers or whatever. I, I much prefer it out of this rather. I mean, you wouldn't put this in like a, a twelve ounce can, but I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't drink more than one of these glasses. Although, you know, last year. Well, don't Jan- don't give away the drinkability. I was gonna say if history repeats itself. But hey, you only get acquired once as a startup, so you gotta you gotta. Celebrate. Unless the parent company gets acquired. Then. Well, that's true. We might get acquired again. No, next one's the IPO. That's the next. That's the next celebration that we have on tap. So then we can just be like a Bumble lady, be billionaires. Oh, God, that would be great. That'd be great. Shout out to shout out to Bumble. All right, so let's <laughs> let's do one of the ratings, and then I'll tee up the true shoot your shot for this episode. Let's let's start with the let's start with the taste, and let's do first against all beers. Okay, against all beers. If you're sitting down. And you're just want a tasty beer. Where does this rate on a scale of one to ten? Okay. So let's go. Three, two, one. Ooh, a five. So I'm not. Again, I'm not a fan of stouts in general. So stouts for me generally they, they rank lower. But yeah. as far as rated against the other stout that we had, this is pretty good. Yeah, so I said an eight because I think part of the judgment is I don't want to be persuaded by, it's a little different. When I'm going into drinking a beer, I'm not really expecting this taste. Like typically we're drinking a lighter beer, so that's what I would come to expect. So I was trying not to be persuaded by that and to just say like truly, like if I just was having some sips of a beer and there's a wide variety of beers, where does this rate? And I think this is pretty good. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's smooth enough, but I don't know if that, like, the smoothness, is that in taste or is that in drinkability? It's kind of in between, right? Fair enough. And where would you rate this then? I guess, how many other barrel-aged stouts have you had? Actually, Have you had the lot. Goose Island one? Yeah. Okay. So we should rate this then compared to other yes. bourbon barrel-aged yes. stouts. Okay. So three, two, one. Oh, you put a 10. I mean, this is my fave. Not right. gonna lie, this is my. I mean, the, See, I'm, the I'm Goose leaving, Island one is also up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving room for improvement. Like, I think it's pretty good. Seven. It's higher than a five that I gave it on the general scale. Very safe, Adam. Just seven across the board. Every plus, time. plus. Well, so the, well, I did five <laughs> then seven, and the last time I was playing it, way too safe with like sevens and eights. True. So true. I'm trying to be a little more savage. You know, we said fuck Tom Brady today, so. Time to give beers. I didn't say seven out of ten today. For the record, I am indifferent. Chris is a big Tom Brady fan. Honestly, the number of times I saw Tom Brady play football this year was this many. That's a zero for those listening to the audio. You see, uh, in the when his kids were out on the field, they no because I didn't watch the game. So, so, (laughs) so he likes to kiss his kids on the mouth, which is fucking weird. Oh. The theory is his kids went onto the field with their masks up because they're like, I don't want to kiss daddy on the lips. Oh, is that right? On TV? Okay. Okay. Because daddy's a doper. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. 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 Well, we don't have time for cuts on this podcast, so I guess it's staying in against our better judgment, but... Just know it's all in good fun. Adam doesn't give a fuck about football, so just know he's pretty much joking. Nor do I really know anything about Nor football. Nor does he know anything about football, so he's not a ball sports guy. So let's... Well, wrestling. I mean, 
There's balls in wrestling. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Give someone uh what do you call it when you plug up the hole from oh, behind? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta check the oil. <laughs> check, checking the oil, baby. You should know that. You're from Iowa. <laughs> yeah, check checking I know I'm from a wrestling state. Uh, checking the oil. Okay. That's fucking hilarious. But we're gonna let's get into the the drinkability while I introduce who the true shoot your shot is with today. We're in the search. Oh, and it's in a recent. Oh, who are your other recents? Let's let's see. Oh, all right, all right. Yep, yep. You know, nice. if you if, just take a look at my recents, if you're watching the video version, and maybe you'll have some ideas about who some of the next guests are on the podcast. Ooh, that's all I'm gonna say. So, the man Jakob Ingebrigtsen, um, he's pretty fast. I don't think I need to say who he is. I think everyone knows who he is. So, I'm gonna message him. We're gonna get him on the podcast. Not only we're gonna get him on the podcast, we're gonna get at least one of the other brothers as well, Philippe or Henrik. So, yeah, we talked a little bit about DNA in this uh, podcast, but like literally just put him and his brothers on the pedestal. I mean, they, they have good, they have pretty some dope, pretty genes. solid genes. Yeah. He did also start running when he was a little tyke, so that probably doesn't hurt. Um, sure, and he dedicates his life to it. But either way, we got to get him on because he's a beast. So, right, how so do we? Yeah, how, what's the what's out. the hook? Like, do you do you go with the angle of? Hey, big fan, we want you to come on to make him feel good. Mm. Or do we go with the angle of, well, we don't want to insult him because then he just won't respond. Sure. Like, what what angle works to get him on? I think, I think. Or do we just go, like, very safe? I think we, I wouldn't call it safe. I think we try and flatter him. Flatter him, yeah. Okay. I think we try and flatter him and and then we float the idea of just like, hey, like, I have a running related podcast if you ever want to come on. Because I feel like whenever I. More low key. Whenever I've gone super in depth about the podcast it just ends up being a wall of text and like we've gotten walls of text and i'm like ah, i don't want to read that that's true that's true okay hey Jakob. way to crush that 1500 meter daddy Ooh, with, do like, I the, do, do, with like the does. 100 emoji and like this the fucking oh wait do i say wait do i say daddy i'm not gonna say daddy yeah. come on i mean i'd say it come on you should you should do I would do like the the blowing steam out of your nose face the blowing steam yeah. wait why I, I I I'm not like a young guy so I don't know these things blowing steam is this a thing no no, no uh, blowing steam <laughs> Jesus Christ oh I just saw it I just saw it wow new yeah new that's the one that's the one well what does that mean I don't know what the blowing steam means like I picture that emoji as the emoji embodiment of the word sheesh. Like, sheesh. Oh. That's a sheesh. Really? It looks like an angry face to me. I think Adam's wrong. Comment below if Adam's wrong. Uh, trust me. I'm I'm, I'm younger, so I'm, I'm with the, with the kids on this one. Hey, y'all got way to crush that 1500. You made everyone look silly. Look silly. Would love to have you on our at the... Ooh, that's that's a good idea. Good touch. Because I'm so for those listening, I'm DMing from my personal account just because I arguably have a little more clout than the Beer Mile account as of right now. Right now, right now, right now. Um, We'd love to have you on our Beer Mile podcast, comma, and you could bring one of your brothers too if you want. You could, like. Well, we want him to, but we're just saying, like, we're giving the option. Like, he could come solo. He could come with his brothers. 
whatever he wants. I mean, I'm totally bring fine your, with just Bring your him. mom, I, like that. Would love to have you on our Beyond Wild podcast, and you could bring... Would, and you and a brother and say we could we could make it a family affair if ooh. you want and we can make it a family does he know does that translate well though because he's english isn't his first language does he does a family that affair yeah that that's like i don't think that's too english specific you don't think so okay no. i'd love to have you on our bmo podcast and we can make it a family affair if you prefer because I think a affair in the context of like a sexual affair is specific to English. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how do I close out? Just that. Would love to have you on. Like, do I need to? Do I need to be like, hey, like, here's our resume. Look at who came on before. Nah. Like, no. No. Nah. No. We can make it a family affair if you prefer. Do I say, yeah, cheers? He's probably a cheers guy. I'm a cheers guy. Yeah. Cheers! cheers. Exclamation point. No, 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 no. Cheers, buddy. It's it would be it would be his honor to get to come on our podcast. So would it be though? You'd cream, <laughs> you'd cream if he came on the podcast. Oh my gosh, it would be wild. It would be wild. Although so it's I, either a cheers exclamation point or a cheers, buddy. I think. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, buddy. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. 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 But but some? what if he's like, hey, I'm not your buddy, buddy. You know? What if he's one of those guys? Like, I'm not your buddy, pal. Then that would be kind of funny. Cheers, buddy. Okay, there it is. It's sent. If you're watching the video version, Beer Mile Media on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe, slap, slap, slap. You'll see it behind us on the screen. Just send it. So slid into Jakob's DMs. Not afraid of anybody. Let us know who we should do next. Uh, shoot your shot. I think it's going to be a continued segment. We got good feedback the first time, so I we're mean, still it'll, going. It'll be hype. The the first segment of Shoot Your Shot that we do get on the podcast, because normally, like obviously, we get people on by shooting our shot, but we haven't recorded it until uh the last episode we did it in yeah we should have done it honestly we should have done it with craig and eric just not the shooting your shot with getting them on because they were totally open to coming on but just all the funny dms with all of the friends and family that we were hitting up (laughs) that would have been but next time so next time when we do the follow-up when we do backyard beers part three and four we'll make sure that we we show some of that behind the scenes work as well yeah for sure instead maybe instead of us in a hot tub or maybe in parallel with it i don't know some people liked in the hot tub i don't some know people, how many some people said brought it bring it back i don't know i mean like single digits like number of people on one hand so who knows how many that really is but there's like a thousand listeners that were like this sucks i'm just not going to say anything and then you got the like three people on one hand that actually said something nice so true okay let's do but um, that's okay so let's do drinkability drinkability back to the dragon's milk Drinkability compared to all beers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think we know where this one's going. Counting down from three, two, one. Yeah, three. Yeah. Three for both of us. Yeah, I mean, if for a stout, well, for for a high for a high alcohol content beer, yeah. sure, it's it's solid. But yeah, yeah I mean, how, how would you rank not. it against like wine or like traditional like bourbon whiskey like whatever yeah i'm just not a big wine guy so i would so yes better than both of those i would i would rather sip this because this doesn't get gross to me i guess well i don't know i guess when you sip bourbon or whiskey you also kind of adapt to it and it doesn't it doesn't get worse yeah over time i I would still prefer this over wine and bourbon though or whiskey or anything anything neat i'd prefer this well you're all you're never supposed to have whiskey neat children um, I'm sure Des Linden would tell you that. Yeah, our girl Des. Yeah. Speaking of which, maybe an idea for uh, Shoot Your Shot next time. All right. Nope. I mean, I'd be down. I'd nope. be down. Okay, so 
ranking general was three for both of us. Let's do compared to drinkability compared to other stouts. All right. Why are you, why are you smelling it? You're trying to be like me. Because I'm very sophisticated, very educated, um, whatever. Very pinky out kind of guy. So didn't even go to Stanford. Didn't go to Stanford, but I did hang out with Sandy Cheeks and SpongeBob a lot. So here we go. Pinky out kind of guy. When in doubt, pinky out. Okay, enough, enough rambling. rambling. <laughs> Yikes. For the one out of a thousand listeners that are still here, thank you. Uh, let's close this out. Yeah, so I said more drinkable than other stouts okay. slash barrel-aged. So I put, fi- I put five with taste and then six with drinkability. Like, I think this, compared to other stouts I've had, the things that are positive for it is that it's like, it's a very, to me, it's very neutral for drinking like there's nothing there's no leftover taste like when i drink it the flavor is there and then it's gone so so that's a good thing because i, I think it, i think that's good you don't, yeah you don't get sick of it yeah. but the reason it's not higher for me is because the taste is i think the taste could be better fair enough x factor i think we already answered yeah, the x, yeah, factor. x factor is getting blacked out on this i mean um no 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 that, that never happened nope there's no such thing as a blackout i don't remember when it, you drink so. responsibly yeah. there's no such thing as blackout X Factor. X Factor was not having to buy these uh, last time. Yeah, X Factor <laughs> was, this is the first time I've actually purchased this alcohol. Yeah. So, uh, Dragon's Milk. Maybe you should, Holland, Holland Brewery. Maybe you should hit us up. And uh, we're going to send you that invoice. We're going to start doing this for all the beers on our podcast. We're going to send them an invoice for the consulting and marketing efforts that we did for having them on the show. So, not a bad idea. Yeah. So, the only way to avoid that invoice and that payment is to pay us even more money to be a sponsor. So, yeah, I mean, we need a beer sponsor. Yeah, we're the, so... We're the fucking Beer Mile podcast. We're the Beer Mile podcast. So New Holland Brewing, uh, your invoice is coming, and then just send back that times two if you want to be a sponsor. All right. That does it for this episode. Give us your ideas for Shoot Your Shot. Uh, make sure you check out the Harrier, the premier running streetwear brand. Cop yourself some of these crew necks if there are any left by the time you're listening to this. Who knows if there are any left because they're a hot commodity. Cop yourself whatever, but make sure you use Beer Mile 20 discount code to check out for 20% off. Hit us up on the Apple Podcasts, five-star review. Thank you to those that have done that. What else do we got? I think that's about it. Subscribe, like, you know, all the usual things, but uh, that's pretty much it. What do you do to the subscribe button? Yeah, you just pimp slap it. (laughs) Pimp slap is is like this one. Oh, that's right. How would I know? Unless you're a mean pimp. I've never been a pimp or on the other side of the slap. So how would I know? Anywho. Yeah, good question. Anywho. Thank you all for the support. Thank you for another shout out because you deserve it. Another shout out to Emily and Saul for the donations the pledges on our anchor page thank you so much for doing that if we get a few more people to do that we can we'll stop running ads on our youtube videos and we'll just stop start traveling to even more races because that's really that's really what's going to get us to the next level so hell yeah thanks thanks for all that support any any words of wisdom Ooh, we do need some words of wisdom uh I'll, i'll keep it on the theme take the pledge Take the Ooh, pledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah help, help support Clean Sport Collective. Take the pledge. Take a picture of yourself. Put it on your social media. Uh, taking the pledge. Tag tag Clean Sport Collective in it and also tag us in it and say, hey, the Beer Mile Podcast said to take the pledge. And I did it. And then that'll, you know, 
that'll be a great thank you to Clean Sport Collective for coming on the podcast. If we yeah. show that some of our listeners, yeah, even if, that. even if one of you does it, like that'd be hype. I think, yeah, that'd be totally hype. And it's not you don't have to be like a legit athlete by any means. You don't even have to run. It's like yeah, they, they, have, they have an amateur section. Yeah. It's like you can just be some Joe Schmo, but it's just you're you're showing that you believe in clean sport, regardless of whether you're participating in sport. Right. It's just about agreeing with uh, the movement. So. Yeah, I think that that'd be sweet if that's, we if we could if we wisdom. could show them that we got like multiple listeners to take pl- the, pledge, take the yeah. pledge. That'd be fire. Tune in to the Texas qualifier men's fifteen hundred this weekend. It's going to be hype, and then we'll see you on the Beer Mile Media YouTube page after that with all of the recap videos and behind the scene videos that you could ask for. Boom.